Well, Happy New Year to you. Uh, Happy New Year to you. (laughs) Thank you. That's more encouraging. Um, Sydney is one of the first cities in the world to bring in the new year. And uh, they were expecting that about a billion people would watch their New Year's celebrations. Um, There was a spectacular fireworks display. And then an image was beamed on the harbor bridge. Happy New Year 2018. Oh, can imagine the person responsible for that typo. Um, one person tweeted, will this horrible year never end? <laughs> well, I hope you uh, have much to be thankful for, for what God did in 2018. The one responsible for the fireworks display uh, said this, uh, hey, we weren't pleased, but look, you move on. And when we think about the new year, we do look forward, don't we? we it, it's just our tendency to look forward into the new year. God has created us to be forward-looking. If we look at the past year, it is done to review what has happened, to remember good experiences, to think about some things that we mightn't adjust, and then we make plans to move forward into 2019. It's important that our resolutions, uh, if we do make New Year's resolutions, it's important that they actually reflect what we value. Uh, Usually moving in a direction requires some sacrifice, some work, and so we're not going to put in the work to, to get toward a desired outcome if we don't value the resolution itself. Motivation is key. You've probably heard of dry January. Uh, after a season of indulging during the holiday season, a lot of people, they decide to uh, embrace the challenge. Let's go dry, no alcohol during the month of January. Hashtag dry January uh, on Instagram, it has about 116,000 posts, maybe more now. And, and millions of people have decided to embrace the challenge. They believe that it will uh, be a boost to their health, a boost to their career if they go dry for a whole month. Hopefully they'll go dry for a longer period of time. When setting goals, uh, it's not unusual, right, to, to think about our health, to think about our diet, to think about uh, relationships, to think about uh, studies. If we're in school, then we set academic goals, uh, career goals. It's not unusual to think about these different areas of our lives. But are we living for the things that are most important to God? Are we living for the things that he would have us live for? Last weekend, Pastor Willie was talking about living on the micro level, our, our story in this moment, what we see right in front of us. And that we live this moment best when we understand it in light of the, what he called the meta level, the grand story of God. And so as we look into 2019, are we thinking of living the year in light of what God is doing around the world today? Let's uh, look at the book of Acts. We'll be in chapters 1 and 2. As we open uh, you know, the second chapter, the, there, there are disciples gathered in one place. Probably about 120 people as we read in Acts 1.15. And of course the question is why are they gathered? Jesus has just been crucified in Jerusalem. Three days later he rose again. 
Then for a 40-day period, he taught his disciples about the kingdom of God. He gave them an order, not a suggestion. He commanded them to spend time before the Father in prayer. Look at verse 4, chapter 1, verse 4. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. What does Jesus mean by the promise of the Father? Well, when he talks about the promise of the Father, he's referring to prophecies, prophecies from the Old Testament. Joel is a good example. Joel chapter 2, verse 28. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. So the gift of the Holy Spirit, it's the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecies. Jesus referred to this promise as well. John chapter 15, verse 26. But when the Helper comes, he's referring to the Holy Spirit. When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness. So the disciples are to wait for the promise of the Father. What does Jesus mean by wait? The most important and the most frequent use of this word, wait, is to to reflect uh, a heart attitude, a heart turned toward God. Peter says in Acts chapter 3, when he preaches to the crowd that a heart turned toward God waits for times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. So when we wait, we create space for God in our lives. Now, God is obviously over all things. He is all present. But we're called in the scriptures to wait on the Father, to put ourselves before God, to allow the Lord to work in our hearts, spend time with him, get to know him, discover what's important to him. Pastor Willie said last weekend that we intentionally put ourselves in a position to hear from God. How do we do that? Well, obviously, one of the primary ways is to read the Scriptures on a daily basis, open the Word, and expect that God will speak to you through His living and active Word. Pastor Willie talked about this Bible reading journal. It's one one guide that you can use. You read two chapters a day. Today is uh, Ezra 6 and Acts chapter 6. If you read those Scriptures and prayerfully walk through them, you'll hear the Lord speaking to you. He will orient you regarding your day. You spend time in prayer, in worship, in fasting. You do that alone. You do that with other people. That's the reason why we come to weekend services, because we want to worship God and hear from Him. We're going into a series on the book of Revelation, so I'd encourage you this week, read the first few chapters of Revelation. Prepare your heart to hear from God as you read alone and also as you come together with God's people to hear the word. What is Jesus saying to the churches? What's he saying to Willingdon? If we do that, Psalm 62, verse 1, becomes our testimony. For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. For God alone my soul waits in silence. 
Now, if you are task-oriented the way that I am, I, I get up in the morning and I already have a list of things that I want to do. Sometimes when I think about waiting, I think, my goodness, I could be doing so much. I'm wasting my time. Nothing could be further from the truth. Because when we are waiting on God, we're growing in our relationship with Him, our intimacy with Him. We're learning to trust Him, trust His goodness, trust His faithfulness, trust His steadfast love. While we wait, God is sovereignly preparing the next season. And not only preparing the next season, but preparing us to live that season. He's molding us. He's shaping us. God is active. And we wait for His timing. So as we consider 2019... Let's make it our top priority to wait on the Father, to daily wait on the Father. If we do that, we will live 2019 in a very different way. Sometimes we find ourselves waiting for a good thing, but not necessarily the best thing or what God would have for us in the next season. In verses 4 and 5 of chapter 1, Jesus encourages the disciples to wait on the promise of the Father. And then in verse 6, look at what they ask. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Why do they ask that question? Well, they ask that question because of what is of value to them. Their expectation is that Jesus the Messiah will free them from Roman oppression. They don't believe that they can walk under God's blessing moving forward under Roman rule. And so Jesus restored the kingdom of Israel. Now it's very much about their vision about them. Jesus, you lived, you died, you rose again. A whole lot has happened. Can we have what we want now? And quite often... If we're honest before the Lord, I think we find ourselves living life in the same way. And so we accept the fact that Jesus died for us, that he rose again and ascended to the Father. We celebrate that as we come around the Lord's table. But having accepted that, we say, okay, Lord, can we be blessed now? In this moment that we're living today, and when we think about blessing, we think about things like good things, health and family relationships, and academic success, and a good career, and hopefully a really good retirement package, someone to marry, children. These are all good things. But do we have on our hearts what is most important to God and what fills the rest of life with meaning? And purpose. In my goal setting, I often include exercise. I wrote goals for 2019. That's the way I'm wired. I always write goals. So my family gave me a Fitbit. And now I know a lot more about my body than I want to know. I check it far too often. Exercise, good thing. I think about spending time with my wife, good thing. Communicating with my children. I think about Willingdon Church. Where is God taking this church family? I'm thinking about good things. But as I've been reading Acts 1 and 2 this week, I've been asking myself the question, am I thinking about the things that are most important to God? Jesus invites his disciples to make an adjustment. Acts chapter 1, verse 7. He said to them, 
It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Disciples, the whole story is in the hands of the Father, the beginning, the end, all of the seasons in between. But now, be still and wait for the promise of the Father. And after saying these words, Jesus ascends into heaven, and the disciples are left looking into the skies, and two men dressed in white robes appear beside them. And I imagine them coming up to the disciples, and they ask this question, men of Galilee, why are you standing here looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Don't worry, Jesus will restore all things. He will establish his reign of peace and justice. His kingdom will come. But now, in this micro moment of yours, wait for the promise of the Father. Do what Jesus asked you to do. So they returned to Jerusalem. And there you have men and women gathered together. As verse 15 says of chapter 1, a group of about 120. They're praying. They're waiting for the promise of the Father. And 10 days after Jesus' ascension, 50 days after his resurrection, something extraordinary happens in Jerusalem. Something supernatural. Chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived... They were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, Devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear, each of us in his own language, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said, they are filled with new wine. So the disciples are gathered, they're praying, and suddenly there's the sound of a mighty rushing when divided tongues as of fire rest on them, literally sat on them, God dwelling among his people. The text says that all are filled with the Holy Spirit. Where have we seen a mighty rushing wind and fire? Well, if we've read through the Old Testament, then we've seen it at the Exodus. The people of Israel are on the shore of the Red Sea. The Egyptians are threatening them. They are attacking them. They have the sea before them. And God, in a pillar of fire, positions himself between the Egyptians and the Israelites. And then there's a mighty rushing wind from the east that divides the waters. And the people of Israel walk through on dry ground to the other side, walking toward the promised land, becoming a people under God. You see, Pentecost is an event of Exodus proportions. 
There's a mighty rushing wind. There are tongues of fire. If you experience Pentecost when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, then it's like going through the Red Sea because you're leaving a life that you have known behind and you're walking into a new reality, a life full of the Holy Spirit. You receive the promise of the Father. So God, on this Pentecost day, he is creating people, individual believers full of the Holy Spirit, and he's creating a people from all over the world. You see in this list here, people from across the Roman Empire and beyond. Parthians, Medes, and the Elamites. Those are people groups from modern-day Iran. Mesopotamia, modern-day Iraq. Judea, right in the middle. And then you have Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, regions of Turkey. Egypt and Libya, North Africa, Rome, Cretans, Arabians. Luke, he, he mixes this, this group of people groups and, and people from different geographic regions. And right in the middle, you have Judea. Why? Because what's happening in Jerusalem is for all peoples. The multitude comes together, drawn by the sound of the tongues. Those filled with the Holy Spirit are speaking in known languages. The word for tongues there is specific languages, dialects. The question that they ask, of course, is how are these uneducated Galileans now speaking in known tongues? Where did they get this linguistic expertise? To understand what God is doing here, we need to go back to the book of Genesis. In Genesis chapter 10, we have a a list of nations very similar to the list that we find in Acts chapter 2. What happens in Genesis chapter 11? Well, in Genesis chapter 11, we read about the Tower of Babel. And the Tower of Babel is all about human independence. It's about human self-sufficiency. It's about people building a tower to themselves. It's about people acting independently of God. People trying to dethrone God and claim the earth for their own. And God confuses their language and they're dispersed. Here at Pentecost, we have the reversal of Babel. This is God coming down to earth, heaven coming down to earth through the Holy Spirit, men and women submitting to the Father, God forming a new people, a multinational, multilingual, multi-ethnic family, a family that speaks one language, and that language is the language of the Spirit. People from around the globe being being united, empowered by the Spirit, the promise of the Father. So it's a new day. It's the era of the Spirit. It's the day of receiving the great blessing. So often we pray for blessing. Oh God, would you please bless my life? And as I said earlier, we're thinking about things like health and and, and financial uh, well-being. And we're thinking about relationships. But if we are in Jesus, if we have submitted ourselves to Jesus and received the Holy Spirit, then we are blessed people. (laughs) Then we have received the, the great blessing. And we should live each day full of gratitude. The people who hear the disciples speaking in different languages, they think that they're drunk with new wine. They need a dry January. Peter, in his response, he says, listen, Christ was crucified here in Jerusalem. He rose again. He ascended. And in verse 33, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he, Jesus, has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. This is a work of God. 
Well, being a member of this multi-ethnic, multilingual, multinational family is a, a lot of fun. We get glimpses of it here at Willingdon. Sometimes we get glimpses as we travel around the world. About 10 years ago, I was in Almaty, Kazakhstan, and uh, at, at the conference that I attended, most of the attendees were uh, Kazakhs, and there were some Uyghurs. And uh, then, you know, guests from different parts of the world, we spent the week worshiping God together, studying the Word together. At the end of the week, we went to a church on the periphery of the city. And we were told that the church that we were visiting had formerly been a mosque. The imam had come to faith in Jesus, and now those that went to the mosque were believers. So went to the, this church, and uh, as we entered, I noticed that the men were uh, flowing to the right, the women to the left. So I went to the right with the men, separated just the way it will be in heaven. Let's do that next weekend here. So, and then we all sat down. So we're sitting there, and I'm just observing, and the worship team gets up, and they start to play. And uh, the Kazakhs and Uyghurs, they get up and start to sing. And as they sing, they start to dance in typical Turkish fashion, you know, with their hands up. I'm a reserved Canadian, so I just sit on the floor. I don't move. I observe. After a few minutes, they start pulling us foreigners into worship, so we can't but join them. And so I make sure there are no cameras in the room, and we dance before the Lord and sing for a full hour. A great time of joy of just experiencing God's presence there with us. And then after this time of worship, we sit down again. It's Again, it's men on the right, women on the left. And they go to the kitchen and they bring out food. So there's fruit and vegetables, and that was wonderful. And then they bring out some meat. It turned out to be horse meat, which isn't too bad. It's a little tough. But we worked our way through that horse meat. And as I was eating horse meat with my friend across the table, a Kazakh, he could speak a bit of English. He said, hey, I have something really special for you. So he runs off to the kitchen. And he comes back with two bowls uh, filled with white liquid. And he says, this is the way that you drink it. He takes his bowl, boom, puts it all back in one gulp. So I take my bowl and I pray, say, Lord, have, help me. So I put it all back. <laughs> And my body is rejecting what I'm drinking, but I manage to keep it down. I keep my missionary face on. I say, thank you. That was so good. That was fermented horse milk. They really like it. So he runs back to the kitchen. He says, I've got something better for you. So he... he, he runs back to the kitchen and he comes back with two bowls and he says, this has more cream. So again, he takes his bowl, boom, puts it back in one gulp. I look at my bowl and I say, Lord, have mercy on me. <laughs> and I drink it and my, there's just this involuntary reaction of rejection and somehow I managed to keep it down and a bit of a smile, it was fermented camel's milk. Oh, he's having a good time. So he runs back to the kitchen and comes back. He has this slab of horse fat. He bites off one corner and says, here, have some. I said, no, you're killing me. Fun to be a part of this multi-ethnic family, right? But we were one in the spirit. We worshiped together. And this is the way that they said goodbye. They, They gave us big hugs. And with tears in their eyes, they said, see you in heaven. See you in heaven. 
So I do believe that I'll see my brothers and sisters in heaven. And while we wait for heaven, as we have our eyes focused on the coming of the Lord, we live each day in the fullness of the Spirit. That's the normal way for a a disciple of Jesus. We wait on the Father, we walk in the Spirit, and we walk with our brothers and sisters as one. Paul writes to uh, the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 5, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And I believe that as, as followers of Jesus, we need to understand this anew, that the best thing that could happen in 2019 would be for the will of the Lord to be done. So it's a good thing to set goals. I'm glad that I did. It helps me move in a certain direction. But if anything that I have decided is not in alignment with the will of God, may my goals change. May my direction change. Because the best thing for you and for me is that the will of the Lord be done. And Paul continues, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And he's speaking of an ongoing daily filling of the Holy Spirit. So if we're going to fill our bodies with anything, may it be the Holy Spirit. May we daily walk in the Spirit. Let's make that a priority for 2019, to walk in the Spirit daily. So daily we open the Scriptures, we come before the Lord, and we ask the Lord to speak to us through the Scriptures. And then as we submit to God, we say, Lord, fill me, fill us with your Spirit that we might follow you each day. Some people ask me, is Willingdon more word-based or more spirit-led? Well, our intention would be to do both. <laughs> uh, spirit and word do not compete with each other. They do not contradict one another. They walk hand in hand. Uh, the, the word, this word is, is, is a word breathed by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps us understand the word, helps us live, us, live it, empowers us to live it. What does the Word of God say? Is the the Spirit for everyone? Well, Peter, uh, you know, when when he preaches his message, the crowd around him asks, okay, what does this mean for us? And this is the way that he responds in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. So if you have never surrendered your life to Jesus and you are being drawn by the Spirit to surrender to him, know that the Father desires to fill you with his Holy Spirit. That's his will. If we pray for the filling of the Holy Spirit, we should know that it delights the Father to fill us with his Spirit. Nothing could be better. It is the great blessing. In Luke chapter 11, the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray. And this is what he says in response. Luke chapter 11, verse 9. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Verse 13, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more 
Will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? If we already are disciples of Jesus, we have surrendered our lives to him. Then daily we pray for the filling of the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul is talking about in Ephesians chapter 5. We pray for that much more than we pray for health or for finances or for good grades or a successful career. We know that at the core we are to wait on the Father and walk in the Spirit. Why? Because we cannot follow Jesus without the Holy Spirit. We cannot be church without the Holy Spirit. We cannot be united as brothers and sisters without the Holy Spirit. We can't exercise faith without the Holy Spirit. We can't worship in spirit and truth without the Holy Spirit. We cannot live life as God intended us to without the Holy Spirit. We fool ourselves if we think that we can live 2019 under God's blessing without walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. John Stott wrote, Without the Holy Spirit, Christian discipleship would be inconceivable, even impossible. There can be no life without the life giver, no understanding without the spirit of truth, no fellowship without the unity of the spirit, no Christ-likeness of character apart from his fruit, and no effective witness without his power. As a body without breath is a corpse, so the church without the Spirit is dead. Living without the Holy Spirit is like living without oxygen. It's like living without water. It can't be done. What are the signs of the Spirit's presence? Well, in Acts chapter 2, the primary sign of the presence of the Holy Spirit is a witness to Jesus. The disciples, they move from an enclosed space to witnessing to Jesus with courage on the public space. Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses. The word for power is dunamis. We get our word dynamite from this word. So when we receive the Holy Spirit, something explosive happens. We can't sit still. We cannot remain quiet. Because there's an overflow from the Spirit of God himself. In the book of Acts, the apostles are given power to proclaim the gospel, to work miracles. What are they witnessing to? Well, they're witnessing to the mighty works of God, principally through Jesus. I believe they're also giving testimony to what God has done in their lives. They witness to the mighty works of God in the heart languages of their hearers, and the Holy Spirit goes before them. The Holy Spirit always witnesses to Jesus. Because of Pentecost, the gospel spreads to the ends of the earth, and here we are today. About 10 years ago, a couple from British Columbia, they sensed God's leading to go to uh, a part of China where there are many Tibetan peoples. And so they learned a Tibetan dialect. They translated the scriptures into this Tibetan dialect. And as they were doing that, one of the Tibetans that was working with them, she came to faith in Jesus. Being a new believer, she learned uh, worship songs in Mandarin and was blessed by those worship songs. But within her, there was this desire to sing uh, uh, a song of praise to Jesus in her own language. 
Uh, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5 that we are not to get drunk with wine, but to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 19, he says, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart to the Lord. So that desire to worship Jesus, it comes from the Spirit of God. So she's riding home on, on the bus, and she's praying to Jesus, Jesus, give me a song to worship you. And as she gets off the bus, it comes to her, and she starts to sing. She rushes back to where the translators are gathered, and she shares with them this new song. She sings the new song to them, and they are, the tears just begin to flow because this is what they've been living toward. Tibetan people coming to faith in Jesus alone. Tibetan people worshiping Jesus. A foretaste of Revelation chapter 7 where there will be people from all languages and peoples and races and nations worshiping Jesus together. In Acts chapter 2, the crowds, they hear people proclaiming the works of God through Jesus and they ask, what does this mean? Well, what it means is that it's time to be witnesses around the world. On that day in Jerusalem, some 3,000 repent and are baptized. The great outcome of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is the birthing of the global church, the body of Christ. We wait on the Father, we walk in the Spirit, and we witness to Jesus. We wait on the Father and walk in the Spirit so that we might be witnesses to Jesus in our Jerusalem, Vancouver that we might be witnesses to Jesus in Judea, our Judea, British Columbia, our Samaria, the rest of Canada, and to the ends of the earth. Wherever the Holy Spirit is at work, there is this move of the Spirit from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. When people are filled with the Holy Spirit, they can't sit still. They cannot stay quiet. There is a move of the Holy Spirit, a witnessing to Jesus. So, May we make it our top priority to witness to Jesus daily? In 2018, I was so encouraged as members of our church family came to me and told me stories of how they had led relatives, friends, colleagues, students to faith in Jesus. I'm so thankful that God is at work among us. I was so encouraged during the Christmas special, not only by what was happening on the platform, but by our members that were bringing friends and colleagues and and relatives, expecting God to work. If we wait on the Father daily, if we open his word and say, oh God, speak to me, I need to hear you today, I want your counsel. If we submit ourselves to the work of the Holy Spirit, we ask for the filling of the Holy Spirit daily, then we will be compelled by the Spirit to witness. We will witness to Jesus, and God will place people on our paths that need to hear the good news of Jesus. So may we make it our priority in 2019 to wait on the Father, walk in the Spirit, and witness to Jesus. Amen? If we do those three things... 2019 will be a year truly blessed by God. Amen? Let's stand for prayer.
I want to begin by praying for those here who maybe have never decided for Jesus. And if you have never surrendered your heart to Jesus, know that Jesus came that you might have life and have it abundantly. To receive that life, you need to turn from your independence of God, your life separate from Him. Turn from those heart desires, those attitudes, those, those words, those deeds that do not reflect the goodness and the love and the holiness of God. Turn from sin and turn to Jesus. Jesus came that you might be saved, that you might be forgiven, that you might receive the gift of eternal life, that you might walk in the fullness of the Spirit of God. So if that's your desire to surrender your life to Jesus today, I'd ask that you pray this prayer with me. It'll be on the screen behind me. Jesus, thank you for the invitation to know you. Please forgive me for leading my own life separate from you. Thank you for dying on the cross and paying the price for all my sin. I repent and surrender my whole life to you. I turn to you for forgiveness and new life. Jesus, lead me from this day forward. Fill me with your spirit. Set me free. Make me into the kind of person you created me to be. I want to be like you. Father, thank you for adopting me into your family and gifting me with eternal life. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, I'd encourage you to either come forward for conversation or go to the prayer center. We would love to encourage you in your journey. And now, Lord, a prayer for all of us as your disciples. Oh, Lord, as we enter this year, may we prioritize what is most important to you. May we wait on you. May we grow in our intimacy with you. May we hear from you, Father. Speak to us, we pray. May we walk in the fullness of your Holy Spirit, surrendered to you, to you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're present to counsel us each step of the way, to, to encourage us, to correct us, to build us up, to lead us forward. Oh, Lord, may we witness to you. May we be faithful witnesses to you, Jesus. Thank you for the work that you have done in our lives. Thank you for drawing us to yourself. Thank you that you're transforming us into your likeness. Thank you that you will return. Thank you that we enter this year full of hope because of who you are. And now I pray your blessing over your people. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great 2019.